Stories hurt, stories heal. If we repeat them often enough, they become real. They have that power. They make us who we are. Stories can teach us to care. They can make us brave enough to admit that we need each other. And they can give us a home to go back to. Welcome, friends and scoundrels, to Werewolf Unchained. I'm Bran. Sarah. Robbie. And this is Movies where my, With My Monsters, where I watch movies with my kids, occasionally my wife, uh, specifically scary movies, and then we talk about it. What did we watch today? Scary, scary stories, stories to Tell in the Dark. Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, in case you couldn't get that over them. <laughs> Their chorus. <laughs> um, so last time I tried to do something new with the... Scary scale beforehand and the scary scale afterwards. Not doing that this time. I didn't like it. I don't think it worked out too well. So that was an idea I stole from Mommy for Family Book Club. And I think it works better for books than it does here. One of you guys want to summarize? Or take turns? I'll, I'll do it. So, uh, I don't need to do it. You guys can take turns. Sarah, start. So. Remember, I this is... A quick summarization, not an in-depth. A group of kids go into a, to a haunted house that's been there for or about a out a hundred years on Halloween. Um, and then, and they get it a book book with scary stories in it, and. Some stories write themselves in some blank pages in the book and come to life. Good enough. <laughs> we'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> so, overall, what did you think of this movie? Uh, I think it was a pretty good movie. Uh, I watched it about a year ago when I stayed home sick from school. Which might be part of the reason why you don't remember it so well, because you were homesick and maybe not paying full attention to it. Anything else? Um, I think it was good. Yeah. Yeah. I like this movie, even though it's not targeted towards me. And there's a lot of other people out there that I think like it that get hung up on nitpicky stuff and use that as a reason to not like it. Um, but overall, just pretty decent movie. But I remembered the end monster a little differently. I it looked a little more fake, fake as I remember it. And I missed a lot of stuff when I first watched it. Was it background stuff or? Uh. Or was it just like little details that? Sometimes you might miss on a first watch because there's a lot of things I've watched this two or three times now already and I was still picking up on new stuff this time watching it uh, One of them was the old woman which took up the entire screen So I don't know why I missed it the first time Which old woman that Chuck sees through the closet Oh, yeah, so near the beginning of the movie and and you were sick, so that might have been a moment when you were out of the room or doze off a little bit. I don't remember how sick you were that day, if it was just a part of your 24-hour period or what, but I do remember you being home. And 
the door closing by itself. Elf when they're in the room with all the records and newspapers and stuff. When they're at the Gazette? Yeah. The newspaper place? I noticed that too. I don't think it really means anything though. Do you have anything to add to what you thought about the movie? Um, I thought it was pretty good, but I didn't watch all of it because I kept putting my head in the couch because I kept getting scared. Yeah. <laughs> I was a bit more scared watching it the second time for some reason. Well, maybe because you were paying better attention. You had the capability to pay better attention. Um, so, moving on. Did you find this movie entertaining? Yes. Yes. I did, too. Um, I think it's paced well. It's an interesting story and a very interesting way to do an anthology-style story. As opposed to, like, Creepshow. Oh, I gotta add Creepshow to the list. Remind me of that. Okay. Where Creepshow has bookends, so there's a beginning, a story that starts at the beginning, and then you get a bunch of middle stories, and then at the end, the, the first story concludes itself. This, the additional stories are incorporated into the movie. So I don't even think it's really necessarily an anthology movie, but it's based off of an anthology-style book. I think I'd read the book. I'm surprised you haven't gotten them yet. Although I think it's been hard for you to find them, hasn't it? I keep, keep forgetting to look for them. Write it down. <laughs> uh, I think the school library has them. Because I remember my friend once reading some of these stories out of a library book. And that's how I knew some of them. Yeah. But I saw scary stories to tell in the dark at a library, but I don't remember which one. So anyways, do you want to elaborate more on how you found it entertaining? Beyond just a yes? I think it was entertaining because... Uh... Oh! Epiphany. Uh, another thing I noticed was the shadow moving across the wall that I didn't notice last time. So would you say that's part of what made it entertaining for you was noticing all the things? Yeah. You're welcome. And the I shadow that was kind of cool. <laughs> the shadow looked was kind of cool, probably be probably because I'm into weird stuff. Yeah. Yeah. What about you, Robbie? What um, made it really entertaining for you? I found it in 2 meaning because when, when they read the stories, the stories happened, and when they read, you hear the voice again, and then it says, you stole my toe. It's, it's, the, it's the monster saying it. While they're, while they're saying it. Yeah, so that's a single instance of finding it entertaining. What about overall? Um, Is it similar stuff like that? Yeah. How it's like they're reading the story and then it slowly comes to life? Yeah. Okay. Um, do you think the general story of this movie was good? Uh, yeah, yeah. I like that the monsters are super gross. Yeah. Yeah. 
creepy. But we're talking about the story. So that's your plot elements. So, like for me, I think it's a pretty good story because a lot of things are set up in the beginning and pay off towards the end. Which is one of our questions, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but the, it's pretty consistent. It's the, the got the right or the continuity is given the proper attention that it needs. And it, like I said, um, talking about entertaining is that all the story elements from the anthology series are incorporated into a movie into the movie in a way that makes them a part of the movie instead of just kids reading this book that doesn't really have anything to do with them, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. This was one of my favorites out of more horror movies that I've watched when when we watched when we watched this when I was in third grade, I think. This wasn't out then. Was it? No. So this, it was last year. This came out shortly before you watched it last year. Do you guys have anything more with the good story? Yeah. Well, I have one more thing about entertaining. Okay. Um. So I like that when in the end when um that guy's being chased by the mo by the last monster um I forget her name Stella Stella. Bola and the guy who get keeps getting chased by by the monster. Um, they're both in the same spot at the same time, but in different periods of time. Yeah, yeah. I like the time travel element. the The scene when the when one of the last monsters, the one that comes down the chimney, when he kills. Cop, that seemed a bit like uh, paranormal activity, a little bit. There's there's a lot of common things like that that you'll find in horror movies. Yeah, because um, what's that guy from Paranormal Activities for? What's his name? Well, there's a couple of them that have their necks broken like that. Yeah, but his neck is turned all the way around. That was um, Ben from the fourth one, right? Yeah. And his neck's turned all the way around, like the cop's neck. Yeah. But oh, I was ben, thinking. And goes like, I was thinking about. And then, I was thinking about the end of three. With Dan. Mhm. Because you didn't watch that one. Or no, not Dan. That was Dennis, who doesn't have his neck neck broken. He gets bent in half. Ah. Uh, He's thinking was, at the end of two. Yeah. All right, so nothing else for a good story? Uh, did you find it interesting? Yes. How uh, so? Uh, it had a lot of really creepy monsters and elements I like, like the shadow moving across the wall and the time travel element. Yeah. Uh, with the time travel element, how Stella's glasses are there, and she's in the past, so they fall in the past. Okay. And it makes sense. Mm-hmm. Robbie? Um, yeah. Yeah, what? I do. That's it? Uh, also because of the time and travel element. Okay. And the shadow. 
Now, again, we want to think of the whole movie because you didn't know the time travel thing was going to happen. So I think it was inter interesting um, because of the time period that it was set in. They get away with a lot of things that would be difficult to incorporate in the world today. What time period was this set in? 1968. Mm -hmm. But also, they were making parallels to our current time. Because I forget when this movie came out. I need to look. Um, because Trump's often compared to Nixon as a president. So this came out in 2019. So came out a year ago. So they were making that parallel there. And... Did you notice the Nixon signs in the beginning? Did you? No. So there's posters for Nixon up because he was running for president or running for re-election. Um, I don't exactly remember. But they had swastikas on them to replace one of the letters. I didn't pay enough attention to remember which one. I just noticed the swastika. And that's funny to me. Because, again, they're trying to make that parallel to Trump. And Trump was called Hitler and a Nazi. But so was President Obama. And so was President Bush. And so was President Clinton. And the first Bush. And Reagan. And Ford. And Carter. And, like, almost every president since 1945 has been compared to Hitler in one way or another. By the other side. So if it's a Republican running or in office or whatever, the Democrats will call him a Nazi. If it's a um, Democrat, the Republicans will call them a Nazi. That's interesting. It is kind of funny. And that kind of plays into, um, like, if, like, the themes that we'll get into later, potentially. But there's also other things that fit more casually in that time period than they do now. Oh, uh, what else is there? Uh, what are some of the things that they get away with? Oh, well, like the racism on Ramon. And how the sheriff seems like he might be being racist. But he's also suspicious of him being a draft dodger. So it's a little amb ambiguous which one he's actually being. Right? Because he's never blatantly racist to Ramon, but it is in a time period, and the sheriff's old enough that he would have remembered a time very clearly before the Civil Rights era, which was in, do you remember? Yep. 1964. Well, 62, 63 to 65 was when the, the, one of the final real pushes of the Civil Rights era happened. And this takes place in 1968, which is just a couple years after that. So the sheriff's old enough that he could be a hardcore racist and still be able to get away with being that way. But he isn't overt about it. He's, if he is, it's very layered. But we see Tommy being racist, even though he's a teenager, probably because of his family upbringing. It's also interesting because it takes place in Pennsylvania. And a lot of times now, racism is applied to the South only, and people forget that racism happened all across the country. A little bit of a history lesson there. 
Um, but those are just some of the things that, like, if you did that now, um, with the name calling on Ramon, would feel really out of place in movies made in the more present time because nobody really talks like that, either because they're afraid to or they just don't feel that way anymore. So it's it's makes the world feel more natural in the movie. Now, that's something that you guys probably wouldn't understand or get because you haven't learned that in as much depth as I have. But that also plays into the characters, which is something that I find pretty interesting, is they're given good backgrounds, most of them. Um, even, like, Augie and Chuck, because they, and Tommy even. Like, we're given enough of those characters and their time on screen to understand who they are, so it's impactful when they disappear, which goes into it being a good story and all that stuff, too. Anyways, do you think things were set up well? Yes. The shadow that goes across the wall every time there's a monster is set up in the beginning when it unlocks the door. Okay. That's set up up well, and it's can and it continues to happen. Yeah. Anything else that stands out to you? Um. No. Uh. Robbie. Yeah. Um. The shadow. Stop copying your sister. Hey, you can go first. <laughs> then you'd start copying me. No, right. I wouldn't. I'm going to go here and, like, Chuck's paranoia, right? You know what paranoia is? Yeah. No. It's when you think things are... This is a very, very basic description without looking it up. It's when you think things are happening, but they're not necessarily happening in the way you think they are. So, like, he sees the red room in the beginning, right? When he opens mm -hmm. the closet door and sees the woman, that room is red. Yeah. And then he keeps having a dream about it. Then he's, like, as the truth comes to light to these characters, and they start realizing that this is real, he starts getting really scared. And he spills ketchup on himself, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it writes, the red spot. And Stella points out that he's got a red spot on him. So he starts freaking out even more. Then when they go to the asylum, the records are kept in the red room, right? Yeah. And he's been having a dream about a red room. And this is something I really like that they do, because he's like, red doesn't mean it has to be a literal red room. I'm not going there. So that sets up for him to separate himself from the group, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. Whereas if he would have went there, may have still happened, right? Mm -hmm. But we don't know. But because he's separated, he ends up in a hallway. Is a hallway a room? No. As we normally think about it? No. But does it have to be a literal room? No. But it is literally red, right? Yes. So his paranoia sets up for him to be separated from the group and... He points out the literal and figurative aspects of the story. Now that you point that out, I've been thinking about the characters a little bit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, we'll hold that thought. Okay. Um, let's see here. So, do you have any themes? 
that you think were done well? Or not themes, uh, things that are set up? Uh, no. No? Okay. And that's fine. I mean, you might miss stuff. That's why we're doing this. That way we can learn to pay attention, right? Mm -hmm. Because first and foremost, I want you guys to try to be entertained by the movie first. And then think about it. I used to just stare at the screen blankly and acknowledge what's happening. Right, and that's fine. But kind of doing some of these things can help you be more immersed in the movie, if that makes sense. It can also help pull you out of a movie real quick because you're thinking about it too too much. Like, I found myself doing that a few times recently. Um, do you think there are any themes that you picked up on? Themes? Uh, no. Uh, trusting people even even when you do think think you you can't don't just go like no that can't be true think about it a little bit like what Ruthita uh, she's like no I'm leaving I'm this is nonsense and then the spiders come out of her space yeah so. Trust is something that's present throughout the whole movie because Ramon is a stranger. Mm-hmm, yeah. And we meet him through them putting their the three other main characters by putting their trust in him to keep them safe from Tommy, right? Mm-hmm, yeah. And then they have to rely on trusting each other. What, like with Ruthie, what's Augie's big downfall? He doesn't trust that the stories are true either, does he? No, no. Until he's faced with the hard reality that maybe this is like when he pulls a toe out of his mouth <laughs> and then he spills an eyeball out of the soup and then chuck trusts in them but what's his paranoia get in the way he doesn't trust his friends like he trusts in them but maybe not enough to believe that they could keep him safe right yeah. So trust is something that happens throughout the whole movie. Um, I can finally find a theme. All right. <laughs> um, so the movie opens with a quote and ends with a quote. I need it. Stories hurt, stories heal. Uh, if we repeat them often enough, they become real. So in this movie, we see a lot of how stories hurt people, right? Yes. Then at the end... Stella uses a story to help heal, right? Yeah. And a lot of times, um, like Stephen King is very known for this, a lot of his stories come from personal pain that he's feeling. So it's his therapeutic way of dealing with his emotions. It helps him get them out in a healthy way, so that way they don't eat him up inside and he doesn't turn them into something to hurt other people. And, the, and we see that kind of happening all throughout, that, you know, Stella needs to heal. So maybe that's why she's writing, is to deal with those emotions. And horror stories can help us deal with those emotions in a much more honest way than some other stories do, like dramas, comedies. Why? Because we can, like, the more negative emotions, especially like grief and depression or guilt things like that they can seem like a monster inside of us anger anger is another good one they can seem like a monster inside of us and if you 
you can deal with that in a drama, but it doesn't give it quite the full weight that it needs to express your true feelings of how you feel. It's like one we'll probably watch before too long, I don't know when, so don't ask, is The Babadook, which is a metaphor and an allegory for depression. Like it is literally, or it is a monster, it's the emotion being portrayed by a literal monster. That's a theme that you might not have intended to put in there. The, uh, those emotions can be a monster inside of you because these monsters are created by Sarah's rage. Well, I think that it, that was the intention, though, right? Because they talk about it many, or after they go and visit Lulu, they talk about it quite a bit more. So it is something that maybe not when they first started writing, but as they were writing, it became, hey, there's this thing. When I said intended, I meant you didn't intend to point that out as a theme. No, no, I didn't necessarily. Okay. Not in that direct of a way. Which is another thing that's great about movies is that sometimes you write with one intention, you start with one intention, and end up with another. And I say writing because movies start with writing a script, right? Mm -hmm. So a lot of times you'll write with the intention to have one thing, but maybe some other things get sprinkled in, kind of like we intend to make soup, right? And we start off with the basic soup ingredients, but you also add additional flavors. Not exactly the best because you intend to add those flavors in, but sometimes those flavors don't turn out the way you expect them to, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. What did you think of the atmosphere in the movie? I think the atmosphere was good. Now that I've been paying attention a little more, I've been a, I got a lot more scared. Okay. Which goes back to what I said about doing this, talking about this, it's helping you pay better attention to those things. So that's an instance where it helped you become more immersed in the story. So I think it had a good atmosphere. Part of what gives it a good atmosphere is how gross the monsters are. Yeah. They're like really gross. They are. I think the jangly man's pretty creepy. I'm glad he was saved for the end. I didn't find the pale woman very scary, but... That was unsettling because of the all-black eyes and the skin turns into a dress at the bottom. Yeah. Yeah. What about you, Robbie? What do you think of the atmosphere? Uh, I think it was pretty high. What does that mean? Yeah, what do you mean by that? Uh, like a really strong atmosphere. Okay. In what way? Um... The monsters are super scary, and the scratches on the floor, and the monsters on, usually only get one person. But at the end, I thought the and the last monster was, was over, and then he wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. So, go ahead. Another thing that sets up the atmosphere is zooming in on the spiders coming out, out of Ruthie's face. Kind of. Because you can see that, and that's what made me go, ew. Well, not only that, but at first it just kind of looks like a hair sticking out, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. but and then watched... she touches it, and it moves. 
But me watching it a second time, that doesn't really get me because I know it's a spider. Yeah. So they definitely played with the sound design a little bit to give the jump scares. There was a couple of times I thought the music was very... Um, there was a couple of times I thought the movie was appropriate to the setting, to the story and everything. And they started off really good and then they just kind of let it go. Ooh, another theme, back to themes. And that was very, actually a little bit disappointing. Back to themes. Another good thing is to never give up. That's only expressed once at the very end. Stella says, if one thing Sarah taught me is to never give up. But she's taught that throughout the whole movie, right? Yeah. We see her constantly being perseverant. Um, what are some other things? The lighting set thing, sets things up quite a bit. It's always pretty dark. And grimy and grungy, which is another nice thing about being set, set in the 60s, is they did a really good job of giving that grimy, grungy feeling, like um, it's a little bit older. Another good thing that sets up the atmosphere with the monsters, they look so real. Much realer than I remember. Which is, most of them are done with practical effects, and then touched up sometimes a little too much with CGI. Which is one of the things that a lot of people complain about with this movie is that it gets too he CGI heavy even though they use practical effects. It's like all the monsters are real people. And we'll get to see here in about 5-10 years or so if the CGI holds up. I don't notice the CGI a lot. Only when it's like really there and stands out a lot. Like with, uh, like in Garfield. Yeah, and that's, again, that's an older movie. So a lot of times, like right now, the CGI looks pretty decent because it's just, it's the most um, improved that it can be. And we're used to seeing it like that, but think of like the Brothers Grimm. That has a lot of CGI in it, and that's pretty bad CGI, wasn't it? Yeah, I thought it was pretty good. It didn't really stand out to me. It did to me. I could tell when it was CGI and when it wasn't. Or when it was, like, CGI added to a real scene. So, like, the vines are the biggest, best example of that. I think we've talked about that pretty much. Who was your favorite character? Uh, now that you've talked about it, I think Chuck is my favorite. Partly because... Because uh, Stella and Ramon are nagging on him to come, even though he really doesn't want to. But what about his character makes him your favorite? Hmm. He's a practical joker. He doesn't take things very seriously, and even when he does take it seriously, he's freaking out all the time. And I tend to not like characters who are like, no, this can't be real. In horror movies, I tend to not like those characters mm -hmm. that don't take it seriously and treat it like a game or get mad, mad because they think it's a prank or something. Yeah, like Griffey does. So for me, I like Ramon quite a bit. They give him a lot of realism and a lot of weight, and and I can relate to him a lot because I was in the military and I don't like the war stuff, right? I've been very open with you guys about that. My feelings on the wars, our present wars. And 
it's not necessarily that he's against war, but that he's afraid of being hurt, right? Because his brother came home in pieces, which is another thing that was set up pretty nice. Anyways, so that's part of the reason why he's one of my favorites. I also like Stella quite a bit too. Bobby. Trigo. Who? Trigo. The cop's dog. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Why yes. is he your favorite? Um, because he's cute when he runs. And away from the chimney. When he nopes out? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can relate to that too. All right. Is there anything that you guys would fix to make it better for you? Uh, I think the scene with the old lady and the dog is unnecessary. Me too, because too many And there was a scene after that that I was thinking about, but I forgot what it is. I don't mm. like the scene with the old lady because it made an extra dog and it didn't make sense but it's there to set up for chuck right yeah because that's after that that's when he starts having the dreams about the red room and that's what informs sarah bellows about his fear because that's you remember stella says we don't read the book the book reads us mm, yeah so with tommy tommy's just kind of a jerk to harold I'm sure there's some kind of long-lasting fear that he has of Harold, and that's why he's mean to him now. So maybe something from his childhood. Maybe he just finds him creepy or whatever. Uh, Augie, that was a story that was told to him as a child, and it used to scare him a lot. So we had very basic scares in the beginning. Then, who's next? Ruth. Ruth's a little bit vain, right? She doesn't like spiders. The haunted house. And she doesn't spider like webs. spiders. The spider webs fall on her. So there's that. And then Chuck, it, when he's in the house, sees that room and the lady. And he talks about how his dreams that have been scaring him are a red room with an old lady. Then you've got, who do we have after that? Yeah, Ramon. He admits that he's afraid to go to Vietnam because he doesn't want to die and come home in pieces. And that's also another story that used to be told to him as a child about the jangly man. And that's how his brother came back. And his brother came back in pieces. So... And then, what's Stella's big fear? Losing her family. Being alone. Afraid of people leaving her, or her leaving people. So that's why that scene's in there. That was a really long way to get there. <laughs> Ooh, that also sets up the time travel element. A little bit, kinda. I think I would fix the ending a little bit, the very end part. Because I want them to do a sequel. They're working on a sequel now. Finally. I knew there would be a sequel. But the way it's set up, what's it actually going to be about and do? And it, it's one of those instances where if you're going to do sequels, commit to the idea of, of having a franchise. If not, keep it a self-contained story. It's going to make doing the sequel um, difficult, and I really hope that they're smart enough to do it in a way that... Makes sense for me, because this is one that could very easily get away from itself. All right. What was the scariest part? Um, uh, uh, jangly man. Jangly man. What specifically about the jangly man? Just, uh, it, I think it's the grossest, and it's disturbing how, how it's so flexible. How it's able to contort, because mm -hmm. that's, um... 
our very brief conversation beforehand, I talked to you about that being a real person. In a lot of the shots, that is a real person doing those things. They're called contortionists. And they're able to make their body move in that way. Yeah. So, like, the only thing that they might have maybe changed for some of those, that they did change for some of them, is when it's upside down, kind of, when it's walking. So its chest is on the top instead of its back when it's drawing around. They put the face on it, on the head, so that way it looked like it was upside down. Because you can't really do that without causing serious harm to yourself. So both say the jangly man? Yeah. There wasn't really anything that actually scared me in this. I would have to say the jangly man is definitely the creepiest because of all the different parts. Maybe it takes me back to some of my stuff when I was a kid that kind of scared me. Like Terminator 2. What's that? It's a movie that we'll watch someday. So, how scared were you? Uh, like Super on a scale? scale? Yes, the scary scale. Um, uh, Ten. Ten? <laughs> I think, think somewhere around seven, eight, nine, or ten. We'll pick one. Nine. A nine? <laughs> I'd probably give it like a three or four. There's, there's a few things that get to me a little bit. Like the spiders. And they crawl out of her face. I'm surprised you, neither one of you said the spiders because you both reacted super hard to that. <laughs> it was it was just it's just spiders creep me out. Spiders are the thing that make me scared. I used to have dreams of spiders doing that to me when I was a kid. All right. Anyways, uh, thank you for listening. Do the rate and review thing. Comment if you're doing this on YouTube. Be honest with us. Let me know what you think about everything. Obviously, talking to children makes things interesting, and I can't make them be better necessarily. <laughs> but, um, yeah, that's all for now. Uh, next week we're watching, or next time we do this, we're watching I Know What You Did Last Summer. On Halloween night. It will be. All right, toodles. <laughs>